Hello and welcome to the G2 podcast. Happy Baptism Day, everyone. Isn't it nice? Isn't it lovely? Is Alan back yet? Is Alan back? Has he changed? Is he dry? Happy Baptism Day, Alan, in particular. This is a special day for this community because it's a bit like a rebirth day. So rebirth day. Uh, it's marking the decision to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. That's a really big deal. Um, like, we all agree that being born is a big deal, right? Thank you, Annabelle. Annabelle agrees that it's a big deal to get born. So I know the rest of you don't, but being reborn is a pretty big deal as well in that case. Um, it's, and baptism is being reborn. Um, Paul, who was one of the first leaders of the church uh, back in the day, he said in the Bible, in Romans 6, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried with him through baptism, like Hannah said, going down into the water. Um, in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, out the water, um, through the glory of the Father, we too may live new life. So it's being reborn. And so, in honour of that, I think we should sing Happy Baptism Day to Alan. So, happy baptism to you. Come on, happy baptism to you. Woo! Happy baptism, dear Alan. Where are the harmonies from the worship team? Happy baptism to Yeah. Good times. Good times. Baptism's like a milestone. It's like a new beginning marked with this embarrassment, uh, a new chapter. It's not the end result or a destination. Like being born, it's, it's like the start of something. So Alan, I'm really sorry to say to everyone, Alan isn't like finished. Alan isn't perfect now. Um, sorry, Alan, you are wonderful. Um, but it, it's just like Alan's first ever, ever birth day, um, like a newborn baby. There's more ahead. There's more life ahead than there was uh, before. There's more growing to do, more becoming the person that you were created to be. Um, and when we watched Alan get baptized, we weren't looking at the finished article. We were looking at a fresh start. And that's open to all of us, every single one of us here. We can all get a fresh start. We don't have to be sorted We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be there. Baptism marks the decision to follow Jesus, not the like achievement or completion of that journey. It's a way marker on the way there. It's not the destination itself. So maybe you've been walking this road for years like Alan, um, but today is the day that you finally need to mark it. Maybe you've been baptized before as a child, but you haven't actually really made and declared that decision for yourself. So this is the day that you could mark it. Mark that you're walking towards Jesus on that road. Or maybe it's the first day that you're following Jesus. Maybe you're like, I wasn't really sure about it, but maybe this is the, maybe today's the day. That's a day worth marking, guys. Maybe it's your turn for a fresh start, like the water's still here, the pool's still here, no one's packed down yet. There's spare clothes, guys. We could sing happy baptism to you. <laughs> like, it's, it's, maybe, it's your, maybe it's your time. Um, maybe today's the day. 
maybe this is your fresh start, just like it was for a guy that we are going to read about together right now in the Bible. So let's read the story of his fresh start. So turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. You can Google it on your phones, or you might have the Bible on your phones. There's a Bible on your table. Grab it now, and you're going to need to look it up, guys, because you are the ones who are going to be reading it. So don't wait for me to read it to you. Whilst you're finding it on your phones or in a real-life book, um, it's worth knowing that Acts is a book in the Bible, which records the creation and growth of the first ever churches. So it's some of the first ever Christians who are gathering in community just like we are today. Um, it takes place about 30 years-ish, it's estimated, after Jesus' death. And Paul, who uh, we heard about just a minute ago, uh, is one of the main characters, is one of the main figures. And he travels widely and internationally and he's sharing his faith in Jesus and helping to start and sustain some of the first ever churches in the world. So in this story, um, Paul and his co-leader Silas are in a Greek city called Philippi, which is under Roman rule at that point. And there were a few others, including the author of Acts, who was called Luke. Um, So that's why it's in the first person when it says we were doing this and we were doing that. Um, It's because he was actually there. Hopefully that's given you a chance to find Acts 16 in your Bible. So I want you to turn. Don't do it all on your tables because otherwise you're going to be sitting around deciding who's doing what. Do it in like threes and fours together and you're going to read it aloud together now. Guys, roll up your sleeves. It's drama time. I want you to. You don't have to stand up, don't worry. Or you can if you like, you know. Um, But um, I want you to assign different parts to each other. So you've got a narrator. You could share that part out if you like. You've got the jailer. You've got Paul and Silas. You've got uh, the girl. There's a slave girl. And there's her owners uh, who speak. I want you to really get into it. I really want you to be like... These men were in saying that we shouldn't do this. Like, come on. Like, it wouldn't have happened like this. This is a wild 24 hours in Philippi. So, um, you know, really try to give it some zing. Assign a part. Don't take ages deciding, though. Just go for it and read it to each other in threes and fours. I will give you a few minutes, and it's going to be up on the screen as well. Get reading. Okay, hopefully you got to the end. You got to the end of the story. There is a little bit beyond, so you might have snuck a little bit further. But we're just focusing on that that little bit for now. So now you've flexed your drama muscles. Let's all remember that this isn't actually just a drama. (laughs) This is a real life account of a day in the life of actual people (laughs) who are like us. So in that day, or couple of days, there's an exorcism, there's public beatings, there's false imprisonment, earthquakes, miracles, a jailer comes to faith, and then everyone goes back to his house for dinner and a baptism, and that's like 24 hours in these guys' lives, which is unbelievable if you think about it, because they're not like superhuman, they are like us. Um, One of the focal points of Paul and Silas's adventures in Philippi is uh, the jailer and his family. We don't know his name. Unfortunately, he's just known as the jailer. That's kind of interesting. Don't know why. Um, We don't really know. But he undergoes this big life moment, this big marking moment in his journey when he meets these guys and and then is believing in Jesus along with his whole household. We don't know his story. We don't know whether he was aware of Jesus. Maybe it's like brand new news that he hears about when these guys are singing in their prison cell. Um, Maybe he kind of heard about it on the street like over a few days or months. Either way, it's probably pretty new news because if you think Paul and Silas and and their group are the first to start a church in this area. So it's not like there's not going to be like a local church around the corner who are already worshipping Jesus together. Like this is going to be fairly new, whatever happens. 
This guy, the jailer, is working for the authorities, potentially a little bit kind of under their control. He clamps Paul and Silas in chains. Remember that they've been stripped and flogged with, with rods as well. So he's kind of part of like this torture team. Um, he's part of this corrupt system that imprisons them without a trial, without a hearing. Um, like maybe, let's just remember it's a real person here. Like he's not like a, like a villain. Maybe it's like the only job he can get to support his family. Maybe it's just like, it's just a job. Like maybe he really likes it. Maybe he's really like crooked um, and makes loads of money and power out of it. Um, like what do you think? It's a real person. I mean, 2,000 years ago, like he's just as real and, and human as us with motivations and, and feelings and a mind of his own. And sometimes we can read these stories and because they're so old, we're like, those people are less evolved than us. We've progressed so much. No, these people were just as real and complex and interesting and human as us. So like, who is this guy? What is he like? What's his motivation? That's really interesting. When you make it real and you think about these people who are just like us, just like you and I, in our jobs, in our work, in our families, and our households, and then we have this incredible encounter with these guys who have been beaten up, who are singing to God whilst clamped up in, in stocks and chains, and then you feel the ground quake and you see doors, prison doors that are locked fly open on their own and chains fall off and stocks swing open like that's that's ridiculous no wonder he's stopped in his tracks and he knows right there and then that God is real and that he needs to be saved and on this day day one he's a day one guy he gets baptized he's not got it all sorted has he he's not perfect but he's ready to be baptized simply because he believes. That's all that's needed. That's all he needs to be saved. And that's all he needs to be able to mark it with baptism. And it's the same for us. That's it. Fresh start. So what else strikes you about the passage? What do you find a little bit weird or like, oh, that's unusual. When we think about it as real life people, turn to those little groups you're in and talk for just a couple of minutes about what strikes you about the passage and about this story. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm well intrigued. What, I wonder what happened, um, what you thought was, was interesting about it. The thing that I find pretty weird about this passage, what um, struck me is that, so this earthquake happens, right, out the middle of nowhere, and the doors fly open, locked prison doors, and the chains fall off. So it appears that God is, is breaking his followers out of prison, right? That's kind of the, that's like the sign. But do they escape right away? Do they escape right away, guys? No, they don't, Annabelle. <laughs> um, no, the, the prisoners don't just run away. Do you think that's really weird? Like, don't you think? Thank you. Yeah, it is. Isn't the whole point? Like, so if we're, like, in prison, like, the whole point of the miracle is for them to get out. Like, it's a miraculous solution to a very practical problem of being locked away. Maybe, like, so I was thinking about this. I was like, maybe they don't escape because you just don't have time. Maybe everything just happened so quickly um, that they're just like, ah, there's an earthquake and everything flies open. So they just don't have a chance to, like, to, like get up and get their stuff and, <laughs> and get out of the prison. But I'm like, probably not. Because if you've been, like, like, beaten within an inch of your life and you're potentially going to die... Like, and particularly if you've been imprisoned unfairly as well, I don't, and, and you were locked away, I don't think you'd be like, oh, the door's open, let's just see what happens. <laughs> I think you'd be like, get out of here. Like, 
let's get out. Especially if you felt the earth like quake and all this, you'd be like, it's a miracle. We're meant to escape. Like, I think you'd be ready to bot out of there as soon as you got a chance. So they don't. But if you're God intervening, why bother to break open the prison? Like, what's the point if the prisoners don't escape? Like, because think about it. The jailer could have, like, woken up and been like, huh, shut that door. Like, <laughs> and then it's over. You know, the whole, the whole story ends. Think about how weird it is. That's so bizarre. So maybe they didn't have time. I don't think that's the case. I think maybe, just maybe, it's because God breaking open the prison doors and breaking the chains of the prisoners and Paul and Silas was not just to set them free, but it was to set the jailer free. Like, what does real freedom actually look like? Maybe God was saying, you know, you can be chained up and beaten up and locked away, but you can be more free in that place because you know me, you know God, and you worship him than the very person who holds the key to yourself because he's not free. The guy who's been empowered by this crooked, corrupt authority was showed up by the breaking in of God's power because prison walls can't hold God like we were singing earlier. Chains cannot bind him. And when that kind of thing happens, when the earthquakes, it's like the foundations of the prison aren't the only thing that are shaking, but the foundations of this guy's whole life are shaken. And they just fall out from underneath him because you can see how vulnerable he is. You can see how, how futile his freedom is, how precarious his life is. Have we had that realization? Maybe not as dramatically, but do we ever think about how not free we are when we're following anything which isn't Jesus? What does real freedom look like? Think about it. Are you the guy holding the key? Got it all together, got the power, but not free. Are you the prisoners in the cell, totally free inside and ready for a miracle from God despite their circumstances? Because you can look like this guy. You can look like you're living in freedom and you can even feel like you're living in freedom. But you might be the one who's actually chained up inside and God wants to break you out of there. He doesn't just break open prisons for the ones who are like worshipping and starting churches. I think he's breaking open the prisoner for the sake of the jailer, just as much as he is for Paul and Silas and the others. Yeah, all right, he's guiding the jailer to set them free. He's giving like a very, very firm sign, isn't he? But he doesn't tell these guys to run away. He doesn't tell them to escape. Something in them stays to speak to him because if he would have taken his own life, that would have been the end for him. He would have been absolutely doomed. God wants to save the jailer. He doesn't want to leave him. He does this amazing miracle for him. The one who, who started them being locked up. And he's the guy who's complicit in all this corruption and abuse. So even though this, he, this guy, he has power, he has work, he's trusted by others, he has a family, he has a home. But none of that gives us freedom. Only Jesus gives us true freedom. We're entering Advent, and that's the time when people are like, ah, oh, it's all about family, it's all about love, it's all about these things. I'm like, that is nothing in comparison with what Jesus can give you. Advent is nice, and those things are nice, but they're not freedom. That isn't it. 
only Jesus can save us, like Alan was saying. And God invites us into his real freedom through believing in and trusting in him. And it can be at the most surprising moments. Doesn't wait for us to have our life all sorted. God often chooses the most inconvenient moments to call us. Doesn't wait for us to be in this really great, organized, holy place. Even when we do choose to believe in him, it doesn't make us perfect, it makes us reborn. It's the first day. It's like getting reborn. It's like the first day of your life. So God might call us in the midst of our worst moments or our most mundane moments or our most evil moments. The jailers are asleep at work, <laughs> working for a, a corrupt organization, locking up innocent people. And that's when God calls him to be free. That's when God chooses to set him free. Is God calling you now? Has he been calling you into freedom just over the past few minutes or days or weeks or years? Even though you don't feel ready or maybe you feel like it's too late or you're like, oh, I feel like I maybe vaguely made that commitment a long time ago. There is no inconvenient time according to God because now is one of his favorite times, I find. When I, um, when I was at uni, um, I was really weighing up whether to keep following Jesus. This is quite a long time ago now. Um, and um, I remember I had this weird little mantra where I was like, um, uh, I, so I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. But I was like, oh, I know that it's like more of an all-in thing. Again, like Alan was saying about being all-in and choosing to, to, to really step into and, and, and be wholeheartedly committed to Jesus. I had this sense that I, I wasn't doing that and I didn't really want to do it back then. So I was like, I tell you what, Jesus, I'll follow you when I get married. <sighs> because um, I assumed that I was definitely going to get married. But I, was, um, but I was like, I'll follow you when I get married, because that means in the meantime, I can do whatever I want. When I get married, when I'm this magical finished person who's perfect, as you can see, that is me now. Um, when I'm this amazing person who's got it all together, that's when I'll follow Jesus. Like when I've got, like when I've spent the money and I've got my house and I've got my job and I can, like, I can sleep with my husband, I can do whatever I want, like that's when I'll follow Jesus. And it's like, now I'm like, what? Like, I'm less sorted than I was when I was 18 and I'm 30. Like, thank, thank you, Jesus, that like, I didn't keep going with that because I just, it wouldn't have happened. Now is one of God's favorite times. And for me, when I was 18, he was like, now is the time, Holly. Now is the time. What are you waiting for when it's life or death? What are you waiting for when it's real freedom versus this fake thing that we're walking in? So what do you think? Do you need to taste real freedom? Have you fallen into the traps and patterns of this world? And although you look free, you're far from it. Are you like the jailer, looking all sorted, but actually you're chained up inside? Or are you like Paul and Silas, going from trial to tribulation in really difficult circumstances? But you know that freedom is still available in that place. So is Jesus calling you into that freedom? You don't, feel, you don't feel ready or perfect or there. Is God saying that now is the time? Is God asking you to publicly say now before this community as part of this family that you want to follow him and accept 
that freedom? Is God calling you to get baptized now, today? Maybe today's the day you mark it as the one that you get reborn, the day you decide to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. You don't need to be ready. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to prove anything to be able to mark that that day. We can baptize you today. We can reaffirm your baptism today if you've been baptized before. Let's just wait a moment here and, and listen to what God is saying to us individually. I believe that he's speaking to all of us now through his Holy Spirit. What is he saying to you now? Let's just take a moment in silence to listen. Jesus, in you is true freedom. Set us free today. For those of us who have already chosen you, would you break the chains that are holding us from living that freedom to the full? And for those of us who haven't chosen you, Jesus, would you give us the courage to step into your freedom for the first time today? Amen.